hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, episode number 15, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. I hope that you all are having a good start to your week, and I hope that the Super Bowl hangover isn't too severe for you. I hope that you were able to get to work on time yesterday and that you continue to have a great week. So I, I, I was sitting at my couch, or on my couch, watching the rest of the game. By that time, the game was already over, and I was just sitting on my couch in, in a little bit of a drunken stupor, and the realization came to me. It's like, oh no, <laughs> you need to make a show tomorrow. It's Monday. There needs to be an episode of the podcast. You need to go and make a show, and I was like, oh no, I am not in any stable condition to go and not only get up off the couch after having too much beer and chicken wings. But not only get off off my couch, I need to go into my room, turn on my computer, and do research for a show, and then wake up the next morning and have my notes not look like a complete doctor's note. Um, so what I did is I, I waited until some of the effects of the food and drink had subsided. I did a little bit of research that night. I was up late. Um, I tried to come and do a show yesterday, but I was just really exhausted. And when you're whenever you're really exhausted, the show just doesn't turn out as well. So you said, you know what? I'm going to take a fi- take five, take a rain check on it, and we're going to do the show on Tuesday. So that's what we're doing today. Hope you guys are okay with all of this being a day late. Um, but how about that game? How about that Super Bowl? Um, I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, I, I spent so much time trying to decide the winner of this game throughout the past two weeks. Um, and, and so much to the fact that I procrastinated making the video of my prediction for the Super Bowl because I thought it was going to be a back and forth shootout and I had no idea who I wanted to pick. And the game was just not like that at all. I mean, the Chiefs were only the third or fourth team in NFL history to not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And to say that about this Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs squad, that's absolutely incredible that they're a part of that dark side of history, a part of teams that never scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I think joining the 2018 Rams, the 1971 Miami Dolphins, and one other team uh, that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But if you saw this coming, if you saw the game going the way that it did, I mean, you're either crazy, lying, or clairvoyant. I mean, and you should just take the chair. You should take the chair. You should take a a position on ESPN because, God damn, I did not see the game being that one-sided and that big of a blowout. Very reminiscent of the Seattle versus Denver Super Bowl from 2014 where both teams were really, really good, but Seattle steamrolled the Broncos something like 43-9. to This Super Bowl wasn't as bad as that Super Bowl, But still, with the offensive potential that both these teams had, having only one of those teams like live up to that that expectation and have the team that didn't live up to that expectation be the team that is historically great on offense, it's mind blowing. I I did not see this coming. Um, and and if anything, this shows how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Uh, never mind two in a row how well you need to play throughout the entire season and also play your best football at the right time. Uh, I I don't know whether the Chiefs peaked too early this season. I don't know if they never peaked and they just did not play a good football game, but I'll tell you this much. They picked the absolute worst time to play their worst football game of the season. And 
Uh, before we go into talking about the Chiefs, I do want to make sure that Brady and the Buccaneers get their due credit because uh, I think a lot of the storyline that's going to come out of this game is like what happened to the Chiefs, why did things go this way, and how were the Buccaneers able to dominate them. And I, do, and I think people are going to focus on the former rather than the latter. Uh, so I do want to make sure that Brady and the Buccaneers do get their credit for absolutely dominating the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Byron Lethwich and Todd Bowles called an absolutely brilliant game on both sides of the football. An absolutely brilliant game. Kudos to them. I mean, Bruce Arians is, is the head guy. He's the head honcho. He's going to get a lot of the credit. But Byron Lethwich, the offensive coordinator, and Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, called an absolutely fantastic game on both sides of the ball. Uh, apart from the one drive offensively where they had a short field and, and they couldn't get the ball into the end zone, that was the, uh, the the Chiefs' one stop of the game, basically, where they stopped the Buccaneers on fourth and goal, uh, fourth and inches, and Ronald Jones just could not get it into the end zone. Apart from that drive, uh, Byron Leftwich pretty much called a perfect game. Uh, they went f- deep down the field when they needed to. They used Mike Evans's incredible selling ability to draw a couple of pass interference calls. Um and when uh, the bucket, uh, excuse me, when the Chiefs' safeties were playing over top, they utilized Gronkowski in a way that he quite hasn't been used so so far this season. I mean, Gronkowski going from not really getting any use in the Buccaneers' offense to being the, one of the stars of the Super Bowl was a great transformation for him uh, as well. A great balance of passing and running for the Buccaneers. A great game for Leonard Fournette, who, uh, good for him after everything that he's been through, you know, being drafted to the Jaguars, having a great first season, and then uh, having some really bad subsequent seasons and being labeled a bust to go to Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and have a, a really good offensive uh, performance. Great for his career. Great for Leonard Fournette. I- I'm happy for Fournette. The Buccaneers' defense played fantastic. Uh, they, you know, it felt like, you know, they were blitzing pretty much on every play, but I remember reading either a statistic on Twitter or an article yesterday, something or the other that said that the, the Buccaneers only blitzed the Kansas city chiefs seven times during that football game. And if you go back and watch that football game and you, and you, you watch it with the, the knowledge that the Buccaneers blitzed only seven times that game, you're going to be looking at what happened at the uh, chiefs uh, front seven and be like, what the hell? Like, what the hell was going on? Um, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. The Chiefs played poorly on pretty much every single facet of the offense. The Chiefs straight up looked like they weren't prepared for that game. Um, the Bucks looked like they had a plan to beat the Chiefs, and the Chiefs looked like they just figured that they can play football and win. That's what that game looked like to me. And again, to reiterate, this absolutely shows how hard it is to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. Not only do you need to play well enough all season to be able to get an opportunity to pursue a football, uh, a football, a Super Bowl, but you also need to be playing your best football at the right time. And the Buccaneers were playing their best football at the right time. And the Chiefs happened to play their worst game of the season for a variety of factors, um, which led to that extremely one-sided Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if, you know, the COVID situation with the barber early in the week played an impact. I don't think anybody was removed from the lineup for, for health and safety protocol reasons. Um, it's hard to say if the car accident with Andy Reid's son played a toll on the team. Um, and, and maybe their thoughts were elsewhere. I, I don't know. It's hard to say like this loss for the chiefs was so surprising. Like I feel like myself and every other analyst on, on the internet or on TV is legitimately looking through everything to try and find a reason as to why the Chiefs played so poorly other than the reason that the Buccaneers just kicked them out the Chiefs in the mouth uh 
in, in general, and the Chiefs fans are not going to like this, the Chiefs just played their worst game of the season, and it just so happened to be the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers exploited the Chiefs' cornerbacks' holding habits, one of the most penalized defenses in the league. That's uh, something that was outlined a lot by Tony Romo on the broadcast, actually. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, there were some really bad penalties, stupid penalties. Chris Jones doing unsportsmanlike conduct, uh, the offsides on Nicole Hardman on the field goal, which allowed the Buccaneers to continue down the drive, continue the drive and score a touchdown. And, you know, of course, the Chiefs offense just not being able to get anything going, getting field goals when they could have been getting touchdowns and uh, continuing to stay in the game for, you know, for every uh, drive they had that was successful in scoring points that looked like they were going to be scoring a touchdown and then the drive just stalled for one reason or the other. So they couldn't finish drives. They couldn't score touchdowns. And Mahomes really couldn't do anything. I mean, he was running for his life out there. Um yeah, some calls I didn't agree with when it comes to uh, Chiefs fans. I know Chiefs fans were very upset during the first half. And, you know, some of those calls I was sitting on my couch again with a chicken wing in hand, just taking a bite and saying, yeah, I don't I, like Ugh, I don't think that they're going to be very happy about those calls. Some of them were pass interference. Some of them were ticky tack and, and really stupid. Um, but poor Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he was running for his life. I mean, I think I saw he scrambled in the backfield for close to 500 yards. He barely had any time to throw. The Chiefs were missing their starting left tackle and starting right tackle. I think one of them had an ACL tear. I can't remember which one. He had an ACL tear in the in the AFC Championship game. And the other one was being forced to play out of position. Uh, but even still, the, the, offensive, the, the offensive line and the receivers, they didn't help Mahomes at all. Uh, I mean, even when there was about four or five different times when Mahomes performed the act of God in the backfield to try and escape the, the four man rush from the Buccaneers and he threw it on his side or he threw it off balance and it hit the wide receiver right in the hands and the re wide receiver dropped it. Uh, Kelsey had two bad drops. Tyreek Hill had a, uh, had a pass that was difficult, but he should have caught. There was another one on the goal line that should have been caught. Um, just a very disappointing game for the Kansas City Chiefs, and there's no other way to really quantify it. I mean, it was a bad game. It was the Chiefs' worst game of the season, and it just so happened to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, had this happened in any other game, it probably wouldn't have mattered much. You would have said, okay, the Chiefs are just going to come back next week and play better. They're going to be healthy, and they're going to absolutely dominate on offense, but... You you have to you know you have to sip your cap to Brady for getting his seventh ring. He's the undisputed greatest of all time. There's no debating that. Um, you got to give your your hat off to not only Bruce Arians but his entire you know coaching staff. Majority of them black and a couple of them are women as well. So a, a revolutionary uh, coaching staff for the Buccaneers and you know Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich called a fantastic game. Both Todd Bowles Byron Leftwich. Uh, should or could and should deserve a head coaching, uh, a head coaching job maybe somewhere in the future. But yeah, I mean that's my that's my thoughts on the Super Bowl, and you can't really say anything else. There, there's really no, unless you go searching for it, and unless you try and go and make a story out of nothing. There's really nothing nothing else to say about the Super Bowl other than the Buccaneers just kicked the Chiefs in the face for for four quarters, and it was one of the more unprecedented and unforeseeable uh, outcomes for a game that was hyped up as much as it was. Very difficult to win a Super Bowl. It, it It's so difficult to 
go an entire season playing great football, staying healthy, and not only being able to make it through the other teams that were able to do that, but to get to the Super Bowl and play well in that game uh, enough to bring home a championship. So uh, does this mean that the Chiefs are, you know, their their dynasty to be is ruined? No, I think we're going to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl year after year, maybe uh, maybe every other year for uh, at least the next 10 years. As long as Patrick Mahomes decides to keep playing, I think that they'll be in that Super Bowl conversation for a long time. I think anybody trying to tell you differently, uh, just something to end this segment before the show. I saw probably one of the worst takes ever uh, on television yesterday where um, Keyshawn Johnson and said that he wasn't sure that Patrick Mahomes was ever going to make it back to another Super Bowl in his career. I mean, if you want to talk about reactionary news and you want to talk about reactionary reporting, that's the definition of it. What a horrendous take. I mean, I understand how bad the Chiefs got beaten in this game, but to think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won't be back in a Super Bowl again, asinine, asinine. Yeah, so uh, that's my thoughts on the Super Bowl. There's no other real way to carve it up or slice it up unless you go looking for a storyline that's either completely ludicrous or or insignificant uh, to the, how the uh, the game actually played out. But yeah, congratulations to the Buccaneers. Uh, I know that Tampa Tampa Bay or Champ Champa Bay Champa Bay or should we call them now Champa Bay? Uh, great a great year for the city when it comes to winning championships. Congratulations to the Buccaneers and uh, to the Buccaneers fans. So we talked last week on the show about how the Eagles are going to have to repair their 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 relationship with Carson Wentz. Uh, there were reports that Carson Wentz still wants to be traded away from the Eagles, and now over the course of the weekend, there were reports that the Eagles are actively uh, seeking a trade for Carson Wentz. They they took my advice. They took my advice, kind of. <laughs> and of course, I say that jokingly because I doubt they have any idea who I am. But um, they took my advice in saying, look, if Carson Wentz wants out, he's just going to create drama until he gets out. And the, the real re- the real way to fix the drama in Philadelphia would from a car from if from a pro Carson Wentz standpoint, if you're Carson Wentz, the only way to fix that drama is to trade the guy that they brought in to try and replace you in, in Jalen Hurts. So it's either you trade Carson or you trade Jalen, and that's the only way that the drama is going to be resolved. And it looks like the Eagles are going to try and trade Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, uh, reported by Adam Schefter, is going to be traded more than likely within the next couple of days. And I know uh, one of the reasons <laughs> that I also wanted to wait to do to, to do the show today as opposed to Monday was I thought, hey, maybe he'll get traded on Monday and then, hey, well, maybe we'll get to talk about it today. But I know now that I'm doing this segment today that the news is going to break as soon as I wrap the show up. As soon as I wrap the show up, uh, the Carson Wentz trade news or trade whenever that happens is going to come out and then we're going to have to cover it the next day. But regardless of that... Um, yeah, uh, Carson Wentz going to be traded by the Philadelphia Eagles. If I had to pick a destination, I'd say the Indianapolis Colts are probably the best destination for Carson Wentz. Am I crazy about the relationship and the and the potential partnership between the Colts and the Car- and Carson Wentz? Not really. Um, I think from an organizational standpoint, the Colts would probably want to stay as far away from Carson Wentz as possible. I understand the Frank Reich uh, Carson Wentz connection. And yeah, he could turn Carson Wentz around. But think about what you're inheriting if you're the Indianapolis Colts. You're inheriting an unconfident, 
kind of crybaby quarterback who is having a lot of confidence issues and he has not played well for the past two seasons. And sure, maybe you can turn him back into what he was before, but I'm still not thrilled about the entire package and especially about the package of what you're going to have to give up in order to get Carson Wentz. Reportedly, the Eagles are looking for a Matthew Stafford-esque package. So if you think about what the Rams gave for Stafford, two first-round picks, a third round pick and a quarterback. If that's what the Eagles are asking for, you're not going to be able to get that for Carson Wentz because the difference between Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz, apart from their age, is the fact that Matthew Stafford has played consistently good and great at quarterback for his entire 12 years in the NFL where Carson Wentz had one MVP caliber season and he's been trying to rekittle that fire for the last three football seasons and it just has not worked well for him in that aspect so Indianapolis is the most it makes the most sense as the destination for Carson Wentz. I don't I don't know where else really that that could or should or would inherit a quarterback like Carson Wentz. Um, maybe Washington, but I don't think the Eagles would want to trade Carson Wentz in 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 division. I think he would probably want to go out of division. And, you know, who knows? There there are going to be some teams without a quarterback as, you know, we get closer to the draft and teams start making some moves in free agency. Uh, it, 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 Indianapolis and Carson make the most sense. There were some reports over the weekend that Andrew Luck may be potentially be unretiring. And if that's the case and I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I am choosing Andrew Luck over Carson Wentz any day of the week. Uh, I I probably feel like just kind of listening to myself subconsciously is like, man, this guy really does not like Wentz. And I really don't like Wentz as a quarterback. I don't think he's, he's, he's as talented as he should be. And I think that he's a bit of a locker room problem and I wouldn't want him in my franchise, especially at the price that the Eagles are placing on him. But going back to luck, if, if I would have the choice, I would choose luck coming out off a year of retirement who may be out of shape, who may be a little bit rusty. I would choose Andrew luck over Carson Wentz. And if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I know that Philadelphia is going to pressure you to get a deal done, but I would just try and hold off as long as possible to see if, uh, if, if you get Andrew luck back and sure, even if you miss out on Carson Wentz, there are going to be other quarterbacks available that come into the market. Like I would assume like a Matt Ryan, assuming that the Falcons draft Zach Wilson with their draft pick, uh, number four overall, uh, in this coming draft, there are going to be options for Indianapolis. I would warn Indianapolis from trying to fish and get Wentz and have the, the gigantic task of turning him around, even though that connection makes the most sense. Again, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, even though that connection makes sense, the asking price is too high for what you're inheriting. When the reality is, is that you might even be able to get a better quarterback at a better price like somebody like Matt Ryan, who is going to potentially be without a job if the Atlanta Falcons decide to move on from him uh, this offseason. So uh, that that really is my thoughts on uh, the Carson Wentz trade. I, I'm sure as soon as I post this video today, there's going to be news. Like I can almost bet money on it that there's going to be some news on the trade happening this afternoon as soon as I make the video. Uh, but we shall see.
And to uh, to end the show today, going to be a shorter show. We are going to do another edition of the Front Office Frenzy. Again, the Front Office Frenzy has done great as a segment so far. I am so pleased uh, with the Front Office Frenzy segment. So thank you all for watching the Washington Reds. At the, uh, see, I'm not even doing the Redskins today. I mean, I don't know what team I'm doing today, but I'm not even doing the Washington football, te football team today, and I'm still calling them the Washington Redskins. I really need to fix that. It's like a tick. It's like a Tourette's tick. Uh, the Washington uh, Redskins, the Washington football team, yada, yada, yada. So <laughs> we're going to be doing another edition of the Front Offense Frenzy today. Uh, again, thank you so much for the support on this segment so far. It's been absolutely incredible, the feedback. And it's really, I, I guess, the underrated aspect of the front office frenzy is that you get a whole bunch of, of fans for their sports team coming in and chiming in and saying, okay, well, you're right about this guy, but you're wrong about this guy. We should go after this guy. And everybody's coming in with opinions on their team and it's cool. And it's, and it's creating really interesting and great conversations. So I I'm really excited about that. And, and that's really an underrated aspect of doing the segment. Um, so I do want to show this today. I do want to show this off a little bit better today. Uh, I didn't. I didn't show it off as well yesterday. As you can see, there are names in this hat. It's not just one singular um, uh, name <laughs> in in the hat. So we are actually choosing this random. And again, if you're new to this segment, it's a segment in which I draw a team randomly for a hat, and I have 15 minutes or less with minimal information. All I get are three bullet points. I get the record from last year. I get the the cap space, and I get how many draft picks. And uh, a couple of more smaller bullet points as to maybe some potential big names that uh, are, are, are on the team that are our free agents. And that's basically all I have to work with. The rest of everything that I talk about is based off the things I've read throughout the season, things I've read in articles recently, and I have to recall all of this off the top of my head. So picking a team at random and then in 15 minutes or less, creating a logical, reasonable game plan for that team to be in the playoffs by this next season. And today's team is... Okay. Today's team is the, the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings. Okay. That is... Ooh. That's a, that's a little bit of an interesting one. All right, let me find the Vikings here in the notes real quick. Let's do a little command F action. Ah, there they are. The Minnesota Vikings. Okay, so the things to know. Okay, everybody, start. hold your horses. Start your timers now. So things to know about the Vikings. 7-9 record in 2020. Really? I thought they were worse than that. 7-9 uh, <laughs> record in 2020. Uh, negative $7.6 million in cap space. So they're going to be having to rearrange their salaries and, and their contracts a little bit. So negative $7.6 million in cap space. And that's before the cap is announced for this next season, by the way. They have 10 draft picks in 2021, including multiple compensatory picks. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, those are all in like the fourth or fifth round. They have a bunch of those, so depending on where those picks land, that could be beneficial for them. Um, the Vikings are a really weird team to do, um, just off the top of my head here. they I believe they were in the playoffs the year before. I think they were, they were 10 and 6. They were a playoff team the year before and then 7-9 this past year. So it, it's really hard to tell whether this was just a down year for a good football team because the Vikings have been really good in recent memory. They uh, obviously had that Minneapolis miracle against the Saints that took them to the NFC Championship game where they lost to the eventual Super Bowl Eagles. 
They have been a, a good playoff team recently, uh, but this year it's hard to tell whether or not this was a, a, a bad year for a good football team, which does happen every once in a while. If, if you want to name a team off the top of your head, you talk about the Cleveland Browns last year uh, as opposed to this year. There are good football teams that have bad seasons, so it's really hard to tell whether the Vikings are a good team that's had a bad season or there there is a serious problem that needs to be fixed in Minnesota. Um kind of strikes me as one of those very typical teams that find themselves in a in a very stuck situation they they're, stu- they're they are stuck in mediocrity where they are not good enough to make it into the playoffs consistently or they're inconsistent in making it into the playoffs but they're also not bad enough of a football team to where they can get a top 10 draft pick so i feel like that's where the minnesota vikings are right now and that makes it very difficult um an uncharacteristically bad season for Mike Zimmer, for a Mike Zimmer coach team. Uh, Mike Zimmer, a great defensive coach. Uh, they had a really bad defensive season. Uh, I think they were 27th, 20, 20, 27th, 28th in terms of, of total defensive ranking this past season. Uh, and, and Minnesota has had some good defenses in the past. Uh, Danielle Hunter uh, was hurt, I believe, this season. And they had lost, they had lost Everson Griffin to... Dallas and free agency, so they were down on the defensive line. Um, I can't remember if this was the year that the Vikings were a really hurt football team, or maybe that was last season as well. Um, Cameron Danzler, which was a third-round pick, who last season, last season which uh, was playing well towards the end of the season, missed a good chunk of the first part of the season. So uh, maybe the defensive struggles for the Vikings were something that were unrelated to the play on the football field. Maybe it was just the fact that you know everybody was getting hurt on the defense. Again, I'm not quite sure. This is all done off the top of my head based on what I've read. And this is actually going to be a difficult one for me because I did not read much about the Minnesota Vikings. Again, they felt like a forgotten potential playoff team this past season. Um, regardless, I think Mike Zimmer just signed an extension, so it'll be interesting to see if he's still the guy in Minnesota. I think he is. I think his defense just had a bad year, uh, and the Vikings are going to be better this year. Um, the team has a really good offense, probably one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a good season. Dalvin Cook is probably the second best running back in the league, or I should say the best pure running back in the league, uh, apart from Derrick Henry and maybe a, a healthy Saquon Barkley. And then you have the emerging Justin Jefferson who replaced Stephon Diggs who had an out and it's standing. If if um, Justin Herbert didn't absolutely dominate the league last year as a or dominate the league, if he didn't if he didn't have an outstanding offensive year, uh, we would have been talking about Justin Jefferson as being the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, the Vikings have every offensive position really well checked off. They've got a, a, a serviceable quarterback. They've got a great running back, uh, two great wide receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and a great tight end in Kyle uh, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle, I don't know. I that sounds right, but I, I know that I'll look this up later and be completely wrong. I think that's the I think that's the correct name. Uh, Cousins was. Uh, Running for his life last season, I believe when doing, I, I remember when doing the research for the Matthew Stafford trade video or the Matthew Stafford uh, career wasted video that I did a couple weeks ago. I remember seeing Kirk Cousins name up in the top 10 of most sack quarterback last season. So the Vikings have a really bad offensive line that they need to fake and that that's probably what I would be fixing in this offseason. Uh, 
Cousins was sacked a lot. So they have a lot of great offense. They have a great offensive tools at wide receiver, tight end, and running back. And even a, a, some would argue and debate a, a pretty good quarterback, but they don't have the offensive line. Uh, it's a good thing that Dalvin Cook was used to running with a bad offensive line since he went to Florida State. Um so again, this is a very, this is a pretty difficult one for me, and considering like where the Vikings are standing wise and where they are organizationally, again negative. In, they're in the red in terms of cap space, and they were uh, a below average, a below five hundred team last season. So uh, it more or less appears like it was a bad season for a good football team. And when that's the case, you really just need to try and keep everybody together as much as you can, and try and fill the holes that were evident last season with some veteran contracts and some veteran players. So that's what the Vikings more or less need to do this season. Um, and the reality is, is that with the expanded playoff format that the Vikings, if I was taking bets, I would be taking the bet that the Vikings end up being a playoff team this season because of the expanded playoff format. Uh, and if they, if, if we're at this point next season and they still weren't a playoff team, then things need to be examined and things do need to be fixed. Um, the Vikings got off to a really slow start last year. Uh, one and four, but all of those losses came to teams that were in the playoffs, uh, and two of those losses were by one point. I think they lost to the Titans by one point, and they lost to the Seahawks by one point. Um, I, I don't remember if that's exactly correct, but I remember they had two really close games in their first five games, and they started one and four. Obviously, they ended the season seven and nine, so they did have a slow start to the season, and they started to build some momentum as the season went on. Um, so, you know, if those games went another way, then the perception of the Viking season would have been changed and they potentially could have been a playoff team. Uh, but yeah, with, with, with how the cap space is and where the team is organizationally, I think you need to rework some contracts. Uh, Kirk Cousins, as much as I think he's a pretty good quarterback, he's paid way too much. Uh, if you can get Kirk Cousins to rework his, excuse me, if you can get Kirk Cousins to rework his contract, that'll go miles towards benefiting the rest of the team. Uh, there were reports that the Vikings were open to trading Kirk Cousins to somebody like the 49ers. So maybe, you know, the Vikings aren't that thrilled with Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, Kirk Cousins had – Kirk Cousins was, was not the problem last year. Um, he had a 4,000-yard passing season. He had something like 35 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, if I remember correctly. So he had a good season. Uh, if you can get him to rework his contract, that is something that I would do almost instantly. Uh, and then somebody I like, maybe somebody on the defensive line that potentially is overpaid, maybe somebody like um, Michael Pierce, maybe get him to rework his contract. I remember reading that he had a pretty hefty contract. So if you get him to rework his contract a little bit and then do some uh, free agency stuff, that will probably benefit the Vikings. Um, their biggest free agent is probably... <sighs> They've got a couple of guys, so they're going to have to make some tough decisions. I think I think Anthony Harris, the safety, is probably their biggest free agent at this point, and he's got a really expensive contract. Uh, Harrison Smith is going; it has one more year on his contract, so the Vikings are going to have to make a decision on him. But I would probably let Harris leave in free agency, and it sucks. It absolutely sucks to say that. But I think he's got something like $11 million per year on the contract. So if you remove him from the team completely, you fix your contract situation. 
and or you, you fix your cap space situation and you have a little bit of room to try and plug up some other holes, which realistically, I think the biggest problem with the Vikings, apart from the defense as a whole, is the offensive line and the defensive line. So I think you probably end up letting Anthony Harris go, uh, getting yourself some cap space to make some other signings. Um, he's, he's a little bit younger than Harrison Smith, who's on the other side, um, which kind of sucks, but Harrison Smith is probably going to be, uh, wanting another contract soon. So you're going to have to pay him. There are a lot of Vikings players that are going to expect to be paid soon. So you're going to have to start working with the salary cap just a little bit. Uh, and statistically Harris had a down year as opposed to previous seasons, um, so you, 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 you let go of Harris. You say, it's been great. You're a fantastic player, but we can't afford you at this time. And again, the salary cap for the season could fluctuate a little bit. So again, it depends a little bit on that, but you take his cap hit or, or you completely remove his cap hit from the situation and use that to sign, uh, other players. Uh, get a get an offensive lineman. Get an offensive lineman that can play multiple positions and can fill a gap when needed, uh, and then go to the draft to address your other needs. So maybe sign like a Matt Feeler from uh, Pittsburgh, who is a pretty good offensive lineman, uh, more of a passing lineman, which is good for what the, the, the Vikings want to do with Kirk Cousins. Obviously, it's a run-first offense, Dalvin Cook, and then you run a lot of play action, so Kirk Cousins is going to need some time to throw the ball. So if you nix Anthony Harris's contract you get maybe like five or six million dollars in cap space to play with sign a veteran uh, offensive lineman like Matt Feeler from uh, Pittsburgh and you got yourself a good trade-off yes it hurts and I know that the defense is going to get worse with Anthony Harris gone but you still have Harrison Smith to lead the defensive backs uh, and, and the safety so you are you could definitely be worse off if you're the Vikings in that specific area of the defense so I think if you're weighing your options you say look Harris is worth $11 million. He's going to want a big contract. We can't pay him. Let's nix the contract, bring in a couple of offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and try and plug up probably the worst spot of our football team, which was the line on both sides of the ball. Because uh, the, 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 the Vikings weren't able to sack anybody, and they also weren't able to block anybody. Uh, other than that, I mean, the, the Vikings don't really have a lot of cap room to do a lot of, 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 of things. Um so, I mean, they could go after a, a, another safety, like maybe Tart from the 49ers. Um, he might be able to sign a, a, a lesser deal at a price that's a little bit less expensive than Anthony Harris would have been. But hard to say. Uh, moving on to the draft, the, the Vikings, I believe, don't have their second round pick. I think they traded away that pick uh, for Calais Campbell a couple of seasons ago. Um, so, with that being said... The number one need in the draft for the Vikings is at the defensive line and offensive line, and you should draft essentially what you couldn't get in free agency. So if you're able to get an offensive lineman in free agency, you draft defensive line first. If you were able to get defensive line in free agency, you should draft the offensive line first. Um, so with that being said, with your first round pick, you have a couple options. The Vikings pick at number 14, I believe. Um and with that pick, you can definitely go after somebody like a Christian Barmore from Alabama, who's a defensive end. Great size, really good speed, very intimidating. Uh, and you could use a piece opposite to Danielle Hunter. You had Unique Ngakwe for like six games this season, and it's probably better that Ngakwe moved on because he would have had a $12 million cap hit. Um, or maybe you see, maybe you see a free agent this season. I think he might be a free agency, a free agent this season, so you might be able to. He might be leaving anyway. So either way, you had Unique Ngakwe. His contract would have been too expensive. You need an opposite piece to Danielle Hunter. And uh, 
Christian Barmore would be a really nice piece, I think, to really shore up that defensive line, and then you can address the middle of the line later in the draft. Uh, I know that some Vikings fans are screaming at me right now. We need offensive linemen, and I understand that. So you, if you don't want to take a defensive end in the first round, again, it really depends on who you get in free agency. You can get uh, a tackle on the draft, like maybe um, who's that kid out of USC? He's got he's got a hyphenated name. I think his name is like Turner. It's it's something something Turner. Uh, oh, it sucks that I'm forgetting his name, but it's a tackle out of USC. Go look him up. I think he's got a hyphenated name, um, Turner. I'm just gonna call him. Sorry, buddy. Um, uh, if so, if you if you get a defensive lineman in free agency of any kind. You can definitely uh, go after offensive tackle in the first round. But what I would do is I would actually probably trade down with my first round uh, to somebody that can get me some more draft picks. Maybe try and get that second round draft pick back that we lost in the trade for Campbell. And I would trade down in the draft. There are plenty of defensive ends in the draft. Uh, there's a couple of good offensive linemen as well in the first round. So you can trade down and still get the guy that you want or a surface for serviceable guy, which I think at that point, it's like it doesn't matter necessarily who he is as long as we have a young, good first round player on the line that will help. Um, so I think defensive end or offensive tackle uh, in the first round, depending again on what you get in free agency. So that could be that could be Christian Barmore, that could be the 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 tackle out of University of Southern California. Uh, and then if you get a second round pick, then you can try and go after maybe another wide receiver, maybe a second round wide receiver. Sure, Thielen and Jefferson are great, but after that, there's no really nobody uh, for the Vikings to throw to. So if you could get like a small slot receiver. Uh, that would be really good. Maybe you try and draft another lineman in the second round as well and try and save the wide receiver for maybe a fourth or fifth round compensatory pick. The Vikings have done really well at finding receivers and cornerbacks and, and such really late in the draft. So I think maybe actually I'm going to counter, I'm going to contradict myself and say, don't take a wide receiver in the second round, delay that to the, the fourth and fifth round. And you should try and get another player on the line or maybe a safety to uh, replace Anthony Harris. Uh, if he's leaving, like I think, he should and if I were the GM I would allow him to leave and then draft somebody in the draft uh, and then you get to the third round third round I would take somebody like Marvin Wilson out of Florida State and I'm a little biased in this because I've watched Marvin Wilson play for multiple multiple years again I've covered the Florida State Seminoles that was my job that was my intro that was my work in the press that I predicate all of this on Marvin Wilson he's a big body he was a former first round talent who had a really bad season at Florida State uh, he's got some footwork issues but he's a big body he's a strong body and he can plug up the middle of uh, the line and stop the run, which is if that's what you're looking for, that's what Marvin Wilson can do for you. That would be a good third round pick. And, um, I think that's as much as I can say. Uh, I think I'm pretty low on time. That was a very difficult one. I'm sure, <coughs> excuse me. I'm sure that you could tell in comparison to the 49ers and the Redskins, I didn't really have a clear path forward. I didn't really have uh, a vision for what I saw with the football team. Cause again, the Vikings are a team that are, probably a playoff team but they had a bad season and they're having they they are under the cap so they're gonna have to do a little bit of wiggle room not too much but then again they also can't sign another really really big free agent uh to to get them under or or uh, or get them over the hump so to speak so very difficult there for the minnesota vikings probably one of the more difficult teams to lay a, a path out forward for in the nfl because they they're not really a big talked about team not really a, a big market team necessarily uh hard to know a lot about them but still i hope that you enjoyed the episode and um 
or uh, this edition of the front office frenzy. So your timer should have been stopped a while ago, but yeah, that is the end of the segment. Thank you all so much for, for listening to the show today. And as the end of the segment, that's also the end of the show. I got nothing else for you today. So thank you all for watching the show today. I hope that you guys continue to have a rest of your week. I will be back tomorrow with some more. Hopefully Carson Wentz gets traded later today, like I predicted. So we have something to talk about tomorrow. Uh, if we don't have anything to talk about tomorrow, I guess I'll see you all on Friday. Again, a lot of this show is predicated on whether or not I can get things to talk about. But regardless of that, Thank you all so much for listening and watching. Watch the videos on YouTube, and if you're on YouTube, you can listen to the entire podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. So, from me, this has been Hard-Headed Sports, hosted by Nick Ryan, episode number 15. Stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.